Thank you, Christy. We appreciate everyone being here today. It's good to have several ministers with us today. If I call some name, I'm going to miss somebody, but thank you so much for being with us this morning. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon, uh, if you will. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand, and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Everyone, we want you to have an outline. I saw a cartoon of a pastor sitting next to the bed of a man that was in the hospital. He said, I understand you can't sleep well, so I brought one of my sermons to preach to you to help you. Please don't do that. <laughs> Everyone have an outline. We look forward to dedicating, I think we have seven babies to dedicate today, maybe even more. But anyway, uh, we look forward to that. We count it an honor for the moms and the dads and the grandparents and the loved ones to entrust me and this church to perform this dedicatory uh, sermon and, and service. And we trust today that uh, God will certainly honor this as we prepare it. If you will, let's read some scripture, turn into the book of St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Then they brought little children to him and that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And in verse 16, he says, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. Father, thank you, Lord, for the challenge of your word. Speak it not only to our ears, but to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. By bringing their children for dedication, parents signify their faith in God. They also indicate their desire that their children come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and to serve the Lord all of their lives. The act of dedication will not make this child, listen, a Christian, but is only a starting point from which to teach him of Christ him or her of Christ. Jesus demonstrated his acceptance and love for the children there in the 14th verse of the 10th chapter of the book of St. Mark. Look, first of all, <clears throat> the three necessities that our children need to live with. There are three of them. Notice them, if you will. This is not only for the parents. It is also for the grandparents, the loved ones, and for all of us to show forth these certain qualities and characteristics. First of all, they need our love. Love is more than a feeling. Love is an action. And I think one of the best demonstration and examples of love being an action is when God Almighty, God the Father, sent his son uh, to this earth to die for you and I. So you're... you're child, your son, your daughter, certainly 
needs love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, love builds up. And we want our children, our sons and our daughters and grandchildren and loved ones to be built up. That's, what it, that's why it's important that we do the same thing in the church. So our children need our love. Second of all, they need our time and how important that is. Parents only have a limited amount of time to be a positive influence in the lives of their children. Let's make the most of every opportunity. As I was studying this, I, I, I ran across uh, this uh, scripture in Ephesians 5, and I, I kept reading it and reading it, and I said, what does this have to do with this? I just uh, talked about the time that we give to our children and those that we love. But I read it, and I want to read it with the Amplified. Read it along with me. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate uh, and enable evil. Goes on to say, not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. And then in verse 16, reading the Amplified, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. I don't think there is any question in my mind and probably your mind either that we are living in days of evil and how important it is for us to remember these two verses and understand that God wants us to display the characteristics certainly of Jesus Christ and, and to provide time for our children. Provide time for those that we love. That's the reason you're in church today. And thank you because you're providing time to show, hey, I love God. And I think by providing time, it shows our love and our concern. The necessity is not only our love, the necessity is not only our time, but number three, the necessity is our discipline. Uh, children need discipline. Amen? The father must have disciplined his son before, but in church, the little boy got to acting up. And the dad tried to stop him, tried to get him to hush. And he just continued to be uh, mischievous. So the dad finally had had enough, so he picked him up, laid him on his shoulder, and started out the door. The little boy looked back to the congregation, and he said, pray for me. <laughs> he knew what was coming. But children certainly needs discipline. In fact, Proverbs talks about the father disciplining the child. Now, mom's certainly disciplined. But I believe the bulk of the, the responsibility of disciplining a son or a daughter is the father. Look at what it says. Recognize your child as a, uh, 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 I'm sorry, will you be setting proper boundaries? And I love this. Don't miss it. Will you be setting proper boundaries for your children? When those boundaries are broken, will you discipline them in love? You know, the dad is supposed to be several things to that uh, son or that daughter. First of all, he is supposed to be a teacher. 
Second of all, he's to be a provider. He is to be a guide. But understand this. Dr. Spock and others might disagree, especially with our PC culture today. But the dad should be a chastiser. Now, certainly in the right, right way, look at what we say. Discipline must not be done in anger. It must not be done out of frustration, inconsistency. In other words, your discipline should be consistent as you train and discipline your children. Uh, it certainly shouldn't be unreasonable and excessive. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the wise man says, the son in whom he delights. The Living Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 24, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. For if you love him, you will be prompt to punish him. And I just gave you some guidelines. And there's certainly other guidelines for discipline that child. So the three things that our children need, first of all, is our love. Second of all is our time. And thirdly is our discipline. Our discipline. <clears throat> now, presenting the child back to God, and that's really what we're here to signify today. It's that mother and that father making up in their mind, I'm going to give this child, and I believe some have already done that. This is just a public show of that giving back, certainly, to the Lord. The parents acknowledge that the child belongs to God, who alone, listen to this, God, who alone has the power to give life. He'll who alone. Listen to what someone said. Parenthood isn't about ownership. It's about stewardship. It is very important that we give it. And there's some classic examples of that. I was telling Carol about this, and a lot of times I share the sermon with her before I share it with you. And she straights me out some time, and, uh, but uh, I get it to you, and it, it turns out really, really okay, I guess. But she said these are some of my favorite stories in the Bible. And most of us, if we've read the Bible much or studied much uh, the Word of God, first of all, it's a story of Hannah. Hannah was childless. And uh, back then, it was a shame for a mother to be childless. And she bore such shame and such heartache. She went to the church and she began to pray. And Eli, the prophet, or the, the priest, thought she was drunk. <clears throat> it's one thing to have to carry that burden. It's another thing to be accused of being a drunkard. She says, no, I, I'm not drunk. My heart is heavy because she moved her lips, but no words came out. And she told Eli how that she was childless and it was such a burden upon her heart. But she had prayed to the Lord. And one of the greatest prayers in the Bible, Hannah prayed that prayer. She had prayed to the Lord, if you'll give me this child, I'll give him back or give this child back to you. And she prayed for a man-child. And Eli, the priest, said to her, you shall have a child. And she did. And most of us know how that one of the greatest writers and the greatest 
uh, prophets ever was Samuel. And Samuel was a son, and she brought him back. Can you imagine moms and dads that have that precious child? Can you, can you imagine bringing him back or her back and placing it into the pastor's hands and said, you can take this child because I'm giving her him back to the Lord. That's what she did. In other words, it's a great example of what we do when we had her bringing her son Samuel to the priest, Eli, and giving back to him. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22, listen to this one. Now, when the days of her purification, this is talking about Mary, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they, being Joseph and Mary, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to who? The Lord. Wow. He belonged to God. That's where he came from. And Mary, taking that precious baby, said, I want to present him to the Lord. She didn't do like Hannah, and they kept the child in the church, but yet she offered Jesus, her, her son, back to the Lord in such love and such commitment and such surrender. One of the greatest examples of offering a son to the Lord was Abraham, and most of us know that story. Sarah was barren, Abraham's wife, and in an old age, she gave birth to a son called Isaac. It was a promised son. It was a covenant son. And then one day God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to offer your only son or your son on the altar. Some of us would have hesitated. Some of us probably, me, I would not want to give my son. But Abraham took Isaac up to a mountain. And there he tied him on the altar and was about to take his life. What a commitment. What a giving back. Someone says, I don't know about that. Well, God provided the lamb. And how many of you know that God provides a lamb for you and I today? Would you say amen? Would you say amen? God provides a lamb for us. <clears throat> so as Hannah, as Mo Joseph and Mary, as Abraham gave their child to God, we are challenged today to give our child to God. We're challenged today. Uh, someone might want to check the, the, the temperature in here because we cut it on for heat. And if someone would check that, I would appreciate it. Now, I'll end this by saying, listen at me, listen to me. I'll end this by saying, giving your child to God is a notice on your notes, confirmation of your love for God. Your love for God should be more than your love for your son or daughter. Can you imagine how we love that little baby, how we love our children? No matter when they become teenagers or whenever it is, we love them. But that love for God, and when we offer that son or that daughter back to God, we say, God, I love this child. I love him dearly. I love her dearly, but I'd rather give him to you. I'd rather show you that I love you. So it's a confirmation of our love for Jesus Christ. Their prized possession children are. But they never, listen to me, can take the place of God Almighty. Not only is it a confirmation of your love for God, it's a clarification of ownership. I've already told you that. Let it sink in. Understand that that child belongs to God. You say, I don't know about that. Can you imagine how he loves God loves your child, how he loves your son, how he, lo he loves him more than you do. 
And when we give that child back to God, it's a clarification of the ownership of who owns it. The child belongs to God is a gift from God to and a loan to you. I love this scriptures found in Psalms chapter 127. Follow it with me, if you will. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. The person that has children, loves children, it's a wonderful blessing. Children are a blessing from God to us. A confirmation of our love when we offer that child back to God. It is a clarification of ownership. That child belongs to God. And number three, a commitment to raise your child the way God wants you to raise that child. I doubt there's a parent here today that's going to dedicate their child. I doubt that they have not already said, I'm going to raise this child the biblical way, the way that God wants me to raise the child. Be a godly parent. Pray and train this child. Make your home certainly a holy place for that child to live in. I can imagine some environments that some of the children have to live in today. We bring in kids on Wednesday night from outside from all different environments. You know what we do for them? You know what we do for them? We feed them pizza. You know what we do for them? We laugh with them and smile with them. Something else we do for them, we give them a big hug. You know what we do for them? We teach them about Jesus Christ. And we have qualified men and women that take those children and able to love them, care for them, visit them in the home have a relationship with their moms and dads if possible. It's important that they're raised in a good environment. Commitment to raise your child God's way. So when we offer that child back to God, it's a confirmation of your love for God. It's a clarification. We know God owns the child. It's a commitment to raise that child God's way. And number four, and we'll end it with this, it's claiming of God's promise and plan for your child. I think about the promise that God gave to Abraham. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, Abraham, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. This is when Abraham had attempted to offer Isaac because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And listen, I want parents to get this today. You say, Brother Don, do we get the same blessing that Abraham got? Yes. When we're obedient to God and we do what the word of God says, here's what he said. Blessing, I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because 
uh, you have obeyed my voice. Certainly this was specific to Abraham in some ways, but every mom and dad, every parent that understands that God owns that child, that gives that child to God, says, God, I want you to help me to bring him or her up in the admonition. I want to train this child up to be what she, what he should be before the Lord. We need to say to that child today, and I think by offering that child up, I think here's what we're saying. I love you, child, so much that I want the very best for you. If that means giving you to God, spanking you, giving you limitations, and yes, holding the line, or even changing my life for your benefit, I'll do whatever it takes. And moms and dads, if there's something going on in your life that's detriment to your child, if there are addictions that will hinder your child, hurt your child, I hope you're saying today, by bringing that child, I'll do whatever it takes, I'll change my lifestyle to bless this child. And I believe it will, it will be a blessing to God. I hope you've uh, appreciated some of these points and some of these things that we've brought out today and understand how important this day is. But I want you to be more thoughtful of how important this day of you being in church in the very presence of God. As Matt and them come and as they sung this morning how precious it is, listen to me, to be in the very presence of God. It is so precious. You, my friend, and I are in God's presence. Now, we can be in God's presence riding down the highway in the automobile. We can be in God's presence at work, in the break room, or wherever. But when you decide to get up, get out of bed, attend the house of the Lord, it means something, I believe, in the very eyes of God. I believe it means something to say, hey, I want to be in a very special place because God ordained the church. Not just the church as a whole, but God ordained the local assembly, the body of believers, that we can come together, worship together, and feel the very presence of God. I want you to do that. Uh, before we start singing something, Sister Judy, would you come here? You, come, you play so well. You make me sound so good. There's a song that I, I feel in my spirit to sing. You won't leave here like you came. In Jesus' name. No matter who you are. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in this building. Maybe it's not, and I hope not, the first time that God's ever dealt with your heart. Maybe you came here today unsaved. You need to be saved. Maybe you came here today not knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you came today and you have surrendered your life to the Lord, but today you have drifted away from Him. You're not what you were. There, there was a time you had a real desire and love for Jesus Christ. There was a time you were really dedicated to the call of God in your life, but today you've sort of drifted away. 
come back to him. You know what the Bible says about a backslider? The Bible says God's married to a backslider. He loves you. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. Why is that, Pastor? Because the Holy Ghost of Acts, oh, he's still the same. And you won't leave here like you came in Jesus. I want you to sing that with me. Some of you know it. Sing it out. Here we go. Sing it in faith. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Sing it out. Bound, oppressed. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. Why is it? Because the Holy Ghost of Acts. Because the Holy Ghost of Acts. Oh, he's still the same. You won't leave here like you came. You won't like you came in Jesus. Bow your heads and let us pray with you. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this, for this service, for your blessings. Lord, where else could we get instructions like we've received this morning? And they came right directly from your word. <laughs> Being a mom and dad is certainly challenging. We haven't tried it before. We don't know how it works. And we certainly don't want to make a mistake because this is a precious item. It's a precious child, a precious son. And yet your word takes and breaks it down so though written thousands of years ago can help us today with raising our children. Thank you for that. Don't cost us anything. You don't have to pay a big price for it. We just simply take, simply take your word down and read it. Live by it. And our children are blessed. Thank you for that. Search every heart and every mind and every life here this morning. Lord, if there's a mom or dad or person, young person that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that they would. I pray, dear God, that they would just snuggle up to you in faith. Reach out and touch you, dear God, in believing that you hear them and will bless them. I pray that all the darkness, the bondage, the sin, whatever needs to be removed, dear God, you'll do it today. Surgically, spiritually, surgically, remove it. 
take out the hate, the bitterness. Take out all of those things that's not like Jesus Christ. By your spirit and by the blood of Calvary, Lord, remove it from our lives today. You know, I feel God's touching a heart here this morning. I sense in my spirit as you're reaching out to him. You say, Pastor, how do I reach out to him? You reach out in faith, simply by believing, simply by accepting the word of God that says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And listen, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, God, what a promise. So right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everyone, Christian, sinner, lukewarm person, I want everyone to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it in faith and believe it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today sorry of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, to live for Him the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.